everybody, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I regret to inform you that my guest today is my wife. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> You're just staring at me like, oh, what's he going to say? <laughs> oh, nothing. Uh, so, Lauren has a very interesting lifestyle in a, in a good way. A, she's married to me, so that makes it really interesting and kind of sad for her, I have to be honest. And B, she's going through some crazy stuff right now. She She touches on women athletes in the outdoors in a hundred different ways um, from training them to coaching them to creating communities around them and I wanted to talk a little bit about that she just recently had her labrum of her hip repair, uh, repaired um, three weeks tomorrow so she's been not she's been weight bearing for a few days and hamstring fenestration and we're going to talk about that injury and what all it entails and some of the rehab because we know that a lot of you listening have friends that have had injuries, maybe this injury specifically, it's fairly common. Um, a lot of runners and endurance athletes listen to Athlete on Fire, so being able to, to throw this information out there to maybe put some of you guys at ease or, I don't know, depending on what she says, maybe stretch you out a little bit more. But we're going to talk about that, and uh, I wanted to get her on here just to talk about some of her goals um, so that she's held accountable to the world. She's making a really bad face right now. So she's held accountable to the world, um, not in the way that you think but I think being able to come back and look at a look at a document that says you know what she was feeling during three weeks after surgery versus what she's going to be feeling hopefully here this summer she's had a rough go of it so uh, I think that's gonna be pretty cool we're gonna talk a little bit about her business we have at the end of the show um, Lauren's company uh, they sell on behalf of a couple companies out here in Colorado, some paddle boards. We're really big into stand-up paddle boarding these days, especially on the rivers. Um, lakes, kind of fun. Rivers, really freaking fun and exciting. We took our kids on a, on a crazy little trip last year. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, we're going to go all over the place. Probably leave this at about 25 minutes or so, so you guys can listen to this on a few miles of your run or maybe on your commute. If you haven't had a chance, go listen to uh, the last episode. Ryan Atkins, who's just an amazing athlete. He's one of the best OCR athletes out there in the world, and uh, he does a lot of really cool adventure stuff. We talked about a fat bike expedition that he's going to be doing here on February 2nd coming up, and uh, 700 kilometers in polar bear country up in Canada for a great cause. Just really interesting uh, chatting with him. So go check that out, and we'll get into it. Lauren Jones. What's up, buddy? Hi. Good seeing you here. Good seeing you here at, your, at our house. <laughs> at our house. Oh my gosh. Well, they went to the show. I have been begging Lauren to do her own podcast because she's uh, doing so many cool things and for so many women out here in Colorado and all over the place, and she won't do it. So I'm just going to force her to be on my <laughs> podcast and we'll share her stuff, and then she can share it with her listeners and her, and her fans. Uh, all right, let's go with um, let's talk about a little bit of the history of your hip injury and kind of what you, you love running, of course. Like I know all these things, but people might not. Um, Lauren loves running as much as any human that I've ever met, and uh, I think what would be fun is go back to your college days and how you kind of described what you would do for fun without GPS and without so social media back in the day up in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, and just to clarify, I love trail running. Trail running, yes. <laughs> Road running is a different kind of torture. Um, yeah, so I grew up right here in the foothills of Colorado and was very fortunate to have a very outdoorsy uh, family and that exposed me to a lot of really cool things. I uh, went to school in Boulder at CU and that's where I really fell in love with trail running. I'd been trail running a little bit before that, um, 
but up there, I mean, there's some of the best world-class trails in the world up there. And I would just head out on my own, um, you know, start hiking up a trail. Uh, if, you, if any of you have been up to Boulder, Chautauqua is just beautiful, the Mesa Trails up there. And I would just go out there and have no agenda. I had no map. Um, yeah, like Scott was saying, there was no social media. There was no, you know, GPSing kind of systems. So I had no idea where I was going. And I would get lost um, sometimes for hours and miles and miles. And Plausible. Basically, just really fell in love with the sport, you know, just exploring and just that, that sense of adventure and um, being in the great outdoors and being in nature. So that's really where that passion developed and so give me an idea like on on like a saturday up in boulder um you know boulder is just world world renowned trails i mean for anywhere in the world for for a city to be nestled up on some foothills what would you do like how far were you from like a trailhead and what like would you bring food water like what'd you do yeah (laughs) you know i didn't know much this was i studied exercise physiology in college but i didn't really know much about any of that you know i wasn't like a trained ultra runner I didn't know to like wear hydration pack and bring gels and all that stuff I would just head out maybe like just holding a little water bottle sometimes with nothing I mean like I was saying I had no agenda so I had no idea how long I was gonna be gone um I was in the dorm so freshman year is really where a lot of my trail running started uh my dorm was about a mile from a trailhead I had to run up baseline so that in itself is a nice good hill nice good warm-up um then I would just head out and explore. Sometimes I'd find myself um, scrambling up the flat irons. Sometimes I'd find myself like miles and miles away, like in El Dorado Canyon, and have to work my way back. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I would overheat a little bit and stumble into a gas station and be like, "Water!" <laughs> but yeah. you didn't carry a water bottle. Nope. <laughs> sometimes. Did, did you ever have to drink out of a stream? I de- definitely ate some snow, a lot of snow. Did you ever have any encounters with weirdos? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. No, I mean, ex-boyfriends don't count. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I saw some bear. Saw black bear one time coming down the trail. Lots of wildlife. Um, nothing else really, though. So this was in the early 2000s. Were, uh, yeah. were a lot of other students? Um, were a lot of other students running, or did it seem like you're a lot alone a lot, like compared to today? Because you know, population here has gotten a lot bigger. Yeah, I felt like I was out there alone. It's completely different. I'll go up there now and hike and run, and there's so many people on the trails, and I was just, I had the trails to myself. It was like me out there in the wilderness, and I mean, that was, now looking back, I'm a little scared for my, my past self, just knowing like who's out there and what's out there, but um, you know, I also didn't wear headphones. You know, I didn't listen to anything when I was running. I was very aware of where I was. I was aware of my surroundings. Um, so, I've, yeah. Yeah. No, I think just setting the table on, like, the things that you did for fun when you were younger. And then, you know, me and you met on a chairlift. I think a lot of the reason I wanted to do today's show is because I went and snowboarded yesterday with uh, some some of my best friends out here in Colorado. And uh, it was like a two or three foot powder day. Lauren's going to get sad here. And I took them on all the route, on all the um parts of the mountain that me and Lauren always went to and that they haven't really explored much of. So chair six up at Breckenridge, Imperial lift up in Breckenridge, which is the highest chairlift in North America where I actually met Lauren. I was on the lift yesterday. I didn't tell you this. And the conversation that I had with Jay was like three minutes. That lift isn't that, that long. So we got on the lift together 13 years ago in a week from now. And we talked for like three or four minutes. We get to the top and Lauren asked me if I wanted to climb hike up and drop a cornice and we did half of a run and then I memorized your phone number that's it yeah I thought that lift was way longer dude it was like really short 
Maybe they sped it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we did we did all those runs that me and Lauren love to do, and then we did a hike that me and Lauren love to do. And I'm, you know, even though she gave me the the swift go ahead because we both try to let each other do a lot of really cool stuff on a regular basis as far as adventure is concerned while having children. Um, but I did I thought about you a lot because we did all that stuff every every week like when we were dating for years and years and when we first got married forever before kids really for the snowboarding stuff and I knew that you're laid up here at home and uh, so I was like man you're going to be back there sooner than later but there's got to be a process because you just literally had your labrum repaired a few weeks ago and uh, before we can get to all the things that you're really excited to do again pain free talk about the labrum and and some of the signs and symptoms for you. I know you had some hamstring issues as well that you've taken or tried to take care of with the fenestration. But for runners out there, not to make people, or just athletes in general, not to make people paranoid about injuries. Like, oh, it's magic. My hips just started hurting a few few days ago after Lauren's thing. I was like, I know this is probably just like subconscious, you know. But things that people should really pay attention to from from hip health and, and uh, lower body health as far as what you've gone through. And then we'll talk about the actual surgery and, the, and what that was like for you for the first time going under into general anesthesia and uh, coming out and what your body felt like before and all that stuff. So talk a little bit about the sign symptoms and, and like pre-surgery stuff first. Yeah. So I mentioned in college I was, I was doing a lot of running. Um, that was my preferred sport or hiking, hiking and trail running, snowboarding, like Scott mentioned. I would go up twice it takes Tuesdays and Thursdays off class and go up snowboarding <laughs> twice a week um, and that entailed a lot of hiking as well so I did notice even back then I was telling Scott the other day you know just kind of looking back and trying to figure out like when this all started probably over 10 years ago I started to have achy hips after long runs like my hips would just be achy um, also like pain while sleeping um, like it was hard I'm a side sleeper and I would have hip pain so I would have to like turn over every hour to the other side um, you know, I was te- like, I saw the doctor about it and they, you know, tested me for like arthritis. I have a history of rheumatoid arthritis in my family. Um, I was also diagnosed with autoimmune disease a couple years ago. So that goes hand in hand with joint pain. So I think a lot of what I experienced was overlooked for many years, which is unfortunate because with labrum stuff, um, the longer it goes, the more damage there is. Uh, the, you know, before you go into yeah. so describe the labrum, what's, what's the function? Where's it located? What does it do? Like, how does it help, help? Let's move better, all this stuff. Yeah, kind of, um, okay, hopefully I'm explaining this correctly. We'll do your best. <laughs> it kind of lines like the cartilage within your hip, your ball and socket, your hip joint. Um, so it's not actually like the articular cartilage. It kind of like lines the cartilage. It stabilizes your hips. It provides proprioception and feedback and stability. So when your labrum is not, is torn or um, not functioning properly, you know, if, if you have um, laxicity in your joint, then you don't have that feedback. So if you're running or hiking, every footstep, you don't have that feedback. Your femur may move too much um, and cause issues lower down the chain, which I experienced. As Scott, Scott was asking about symptoms. Like, I experienced um, other issues and injuries with my foot and my knee until finally we discovered it was the hip up further up the chain causing that because of the instability in the labrum and the, in the hip joint. Yeah. So, like, when you're sleeping, just achy or sharp pains? No, just... Just achy, yeah. Just like achy enough that I felt like you know if you go camping and you're sleeping on a sleeping pad and you're just feeling comfortable and you can feel like the hard ground. It felt like I was sleeping on a hard ground all the time on a cushy bed. Yeah. So. Yeah. From from what you've learned from a functionality standpoint <clears throat> and from um, a structural standpoint, what 
what root cause? Like, what was the root cause for the issue? Did it take a long time to get to the level that it is? Because it was pretty bad. You had like three or four um, anchors to hold your labrum back, and they had to scrape some of your femur and all kinds of stuff. But um, what they say the root cause was anatomy, biomechanics. What? Yeah. So mine was genetic, is an anatomy. Um, I have what's called impingement. So I have cam, both cam and pincher, and hopefully I'm saying that correctly, um, impingement, which is basically just, it's not extra bone, but it's just the way my hips and femur are shaped. Um, I had impingement from both sides, basically compressing and um, essentially shredding or pulling apart my labrum. So what happened to me was over the years with that impingement, um, it basically caused my labrum to detach from the articular cartilage and I had like a huge tear, like a huge flap. Um, and even in the MRI, like I did like an MRI, MRI, they thought I just had um, fraying and like degeneration, but that was because that piece had been away from the cartilage and the blood flow for so long, like it looked like it was degenerated. Um, but the other cause typically is just like an acute injury. So usually that's something like pretty dramatic, like, you know, you have a ski accident or like, you know, just severe, huge impact in your femur. Big impact. Like usually they say extension and external rotation. So like kickboxing or just something like with oh. a lot of force. <laughs> like that makes so me get, that gives me a chills just thinking about that. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's pretty I mean, it's typically younger athletes that you have that acute tear. Um mine might have been a combination. I can remember a couple instances um where I had I've been in like bike accidents and car accidents. Like I've had a pretty active, crazy lifestyle, like Scott mentioned. So I've been in snowboard accidents and mountain bike accidents, so who knows? Like I could have started the tear and then with that impingement slowly, you know, caused that detachment. Right. So you say an anatomical issue, so was that your the head of your femur that was shaped odd or was it the socket that was shaped? It was for me it's both. Okay. So some people just have the head of the femur which is a cam impingement. I had the pincher and cam. So the pincher is the part of the ilium, that like the front of your hip that goes oh. down. So they had to shave my bone. Um, they had to shave both the ilium, and then they also had to shave the femur. So they had to shave the bone off so that I don't have future issues. Yeah, yeah. those images were crazy because when, uh, when we were at the hospital, the, do the doctor that did the procedure comes up and they're so clear compared to what they used to be. Like I remember even from my ACL, like last time was black and white and like everything's color and really, really... <clears throat> really clear and easy to see high definition right now, so it's, it's pretty wild. Um, so the the hope is that fixing uh, your your anatomical issues will allow you to move freely and and should get rid of all of the issues of the grinding on the labrum and stuff from the past. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, I mean, one of the other symptoms you'd asked about was you'd mentioned my hamstring. So another symptom is that if you have that, you have like some tears or that impingement and you have that instability, um, you put extra load on different muscles. So typically your adductors or your hamstring muscles, which was the case for me. So I had chronically tight hamstring muscles and like pain on my sit bone on my left side. And I was like, man, did I just like pull something or like, what's like, why is it just the left side? And I had it forever. Um, which I was just trying to address. And then eventually the load and the instability led to almost a uh, complete hamstring tear at, or at origin. And that's kind of what started the whole ball rolling with this. But Yeah, it's pretty well. I, I, I just think it's crazy, you know, being in the industry of exercise science my whole career, having, having athletes, it's kind of like uh, buying a car. Like I know the anatomy, the general anatomy, but until a client or a friend or somebody has a major issue with it, sometimes they don't, I don't have to address it. So for both of us, it's been a pretty interesting education on something very niche 
that has to do with your body. And, uh, all right, so you're dealing with lots of pain. I mean, Lauren is as tough as any athlete that I've ever met. I can tell you that much. Um, you know, she had kids. All you women are freaking psychotically <laughs> tough in that way. But uh, sometimes being tough, I think, for her um, probably did do more damage in a lot of ways. So, you know, we, we talk about the fine line of pushing through and listening to your body. Do you have any pointers on that for yourself moving forward and for people listening? Like, wh- what's a good... It's such a tough thing, man, because pain is pain. Like, muscle pain is going to be muscle pain. You hope it's not something serious. But for you moving forward, what are what's going to be your standard, do you think? I know. That's so hard. I think I think for me it was just a combination of factors. Like Scott mentioned, like pain tolerance. Yeah, women, studies have shown we do have higher pain tolerance than guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and then being a mom. Anecdotally, I will support that. <laughs> guys are women. Yes. And then being like a long distance, you know, athlete, you know, doing all this really hard stuff. It's like, I just didn't know what pain was normal. You know, like I had the hip pain and I did go to the doctor and, you know, like that's what it's hard to distinguish is like what is normal pain and what's not okay. Um, I think also being a a better advocate for your health because I did, like I mentioned, I had gone to the doctor a lot and I was, things were just missed and I think I should have been more persistent and when I should have asked more questions. So when they were doing like the tests for impingement on my hip or the tests for labral tears or, you know, all that stuff going on, I should have asked questions like, hey, what should, what is normal? Like what, you know, I'm feeling kind of achy. But for me, I just was quiet because I thought, oh, this just feels, I feel a little pain or I feel, you know, it feels a little achy when they're doing this certain movement, but it's not bad. So I'm not going to say anything. So I think it's just a combination of factors. But, you know, if, if you've had kind of a lingering thing going on for a long time, and it's not resolving, like the hamstring thing should have been a sign for me. Um, you know, I just thought it was tight. So maybe I should have gone in and requested to go see a sports medicine doctor versus just my general practitioner that maybe didn't have the knowledge base to yeah. know what was going on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think an easy standard for, for deciding if it's an injury or just a pain is if you can't sleep at night because of pain on a regular basis, it's not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> like that's pretty much every night for years for me. I mean, have you ever driven across, you know, we had to drive, we have to drive across the country, you know, usually we do it once a year. We're definitely dialing back because of some of Lauren's health stuff. Like to drive to West Virginia from here is a 21 hour to 25 hour drive without kids. So, um, you know, it's a few day drive for us usually. And just to watch her squirming around over there on the passenger seat because I drive 99.99, is it 9%? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, last time we went to West Virginia, we stopped. We were stopping at Walmart or something because we need. We wanted some food. We're in the country, so that's like your grocery store for a lot of these small towns. And I parked at the gas station, and I walked over to the Walmart, which is a, a twentieth of a mile away from the gas station. I said, "Hey, finish up the gas, and then come pick me up." So I'm not even in there for five minutes, and she texts me, "How do you use this machine again?" Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> she forgot about that. Anyway, um, okay. So last. Uh, the, the actual surgery. Um, going in, you've never gone under general. What was that like? Well, actually, I know I was going to ask. What is the actual name of the procedure so people can look it up if they want to? Oh, man. Okay. F- uh, femoroplasty is the bone shaving for to repair the impingement. Um, I think it's just labrum repair. I don't think. Yeah. Think yeah. So. And then I had uh, bone anchors for the large flap. I had like five bone anchors, which is like a massive 
flap. Right. <laughs> and then I had, uh, what was it called? Microfracturing. Microfracturing, which is basically like putting holes in your bone to help get blood flow back, to help um, that labrum heal that they reattached. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much, so many procedures out there are, are finding ways for your own body to regenerate from blood flow. And, and uh, that's what the fenestration was for the hamstring, which you had done. A little bit later, you can talk. Just talk about that really quick. Oh yeah, so I was really nervous. So the hamstring fenestration—that was—I mentioned that my hamstrings were almost completely torn. I had a grade three, or a, what was it? I don't know. A high grade, grade three proximal tear, like basically where the hamstrings um, originate. Not proximal originate. Sorry, I'm getting all mixed up. Yeah. Anyways, um, what they did was, and if you have like hamstring tendinopathy, which is really common, like pain in your sit bone, um, which is really common for runners, this may be helpful. Um, basically, what they do is they put holes in your tendon where your hamstring attaches um, in the hopes that, you know, promoting blood flow and hope, you know, promote healing essentially, like get that blood flowing and promote the hamstrings to heal themselves versus facing another hamstrings or another surgery, um, which yeah. I'd be looking at if this isn't, isn't successful, yeah. getting a hamstring surgery. So That's pretty wild. They go in with a needle and they kind of scrape and poke around at your hamstrings tendon to, to try to generate um, growth. Yeah. And healing, which is pretty wild. Trying to get your body to do its job by kind of irritating it to, to do so. It's kind of wild. Um, I, I just wanted to know, like, going into the, for the actual surgery, were you nervous or excited or, because you've never been under before. I know that's kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah. Well, um, I think I didn't have a lot of time to think about it because our insurance changed. And Scott knows all oh, this. Yeah. But basically, I didn't know if I was getting the surgery until, like, I don't know, 12 o'clock in the afternoon the day before the surgery. So I was nervous. However, it was kind of good. You know, it was nerve wracking not being able to like plan anything as far as after the surgery. Um, but I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. So I think I was actually the most nervous about the going under than the actual surgery. Like I was, the surgery was a relief because at that point I was really having trouble just even walking. Like stairs were brutal. I was in constant pain. Um, so I was ready for the surgery. Like I'm ready to get better and be able to get back to hiking and running and all that. Yeah. Yeah, she came out. She was positive, smiling somehow. Come, you know how, you, how it is when you come out of the general anesthetic. Um, the doctor had good things to say to me. Um, I had a trip to Bandera, Texas, to cover a 50K and 100K down there with a bunch of a bunch of the clients that were becoming ultra. So I was texting literally every man that had a wife that I respected. So my uncle and a couple of my really good friends on if I should still go or not, even though Lauren gave me the go-ahead, because had, we had kids taken care of and family coming over. So I decided to go down there. So uh, one thing I've learned is I'm an awful nurse. So I'm sure many men are bad nurses. I'm just not very good. I get I kind of get an attitude. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, which I have to go refill your ice machine. But, okay, so post-op, coming in here, going to PT the day after, which is pretty aggressive. Um, what's it been like for three weeks of sleeping on the floor on a mattress in the, in the living room because you can't go upstairs and <laughs> dealing with me and the kids in different ways that you're not used to? Has it been tough or easier than you thought? Like, what's um, it's just been strange. I guess I compare it a lot to like childbirth, and this is definitely much much easier, <laughs> much easier, um, much easier than expected. I thought I'd be out for much longer. Um, I guess the biggest challenge is just like getting around because I'm on crutches and without the weight bearing until this week. Um, that was really challenging, just having people do stuff for me. Like my boys became trained on making themselves breakfast and like filling my ice machine. And tell stuff. them what you're most proud of that you taught, taught the boys how to do. Make coffee. 
Oh, yeah. In a legit pot, yeah. Yeah, they get so excited to make us coffee in the morning, so that's been really pretty awesome. Daddy, Daddy, can I make you coffee? Uh, yeah. Make me some coffee. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Five and seven years old, they're making this legit coffee. It's, it's not good. like a little Keurig little pot. It's They have to pour the the grounds into there. So that's been pretty cool. Um, what about pain-wise? Like, of course you're going to have post-op pain. Like, that's normal. You know, the sutures, you've got some of the, the bruising and inflammation deep, in, deep inside where your bone is and where the microfracture stuff took place. But overall pain from what you felt before the surgery that was really irritating you. What's that feeling like compared? Actually, I feel like that chronic pain, like just I'm sitting here on this hard chair with you and we've been sitting for like, what, 20, 25 minutes at yeah. least or more. Um, I don't feel that pain, which is awesome. So... I know, yay. <laughs> you, you actually sat. Yeah, I'm like minutes. sitting here. Uh, I mean, it's hard to tell because I don't know. And again, we go back to like what pain is normal. So I, I feel like I've been so paranoid because they're like no extension, no external rotation. And there's times where that's accidentally happened. And I'm like, did I mess it up? So I think part of it is, I mean, I don't know. I'm a bad judge of pain. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's bad at all. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's achy sometimes. Like I definitely feel like I need ice. Um, it's hard to hold back. Like I just want to get on, I'm allowed to bike on the bike with no resistance. And I'm like, I just want to add some resistance. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's not, it's not that bad. It's manageable. Okay. All right. So that's kind of wrapping up the labrum stuff. Well, I think we'll do updates on how you're doing and what you're able to do. Like right now she's able to weight bear, but she's still in crutches. Um, her range of motion is improving on the bike and she's, they're going to let her start pushing a little bit, I think. Um, but we'll start talking about like, the benchmarks as we keep going. The one thing I would like to do when I said that I want to hold you accountable in a way is, well, I haven't told you this, but on the show from now on, I'm, I've been talking to one of our boys or family member or a good friend and letting them know something that I appreciate. Um, because Lauren is this like after my dad died, like having all this audio from him because of this podcast was really cool. Cause I had these mics and I just set them on the table and listen. And, um, audio is just really powerful when you lose somebody. So I thought it'd be really cool when me and Lauren are gone that our, the idea that our kids could just like listen to us having a normal conversation, you know, this isn't completely normal because we have mics in front of us, but the fact that we were talking to each other in a room, like the idea that is really cool. So I'm like, I, I think telling the boys things on these, so like maybe when they're 30, 40 years old, they come back and listen to me telling them how awesome it was when they had a base hit when they were eight years old at a baseball game, you know? So I'm going to use the podcast for my own selfish legacy type stuff. But um, the accountability is always powerful too. And for us to go back and see what you're able to do, Lauren uh, traditionally has been very ambition, ambitious when she uh, would choose events that she would want to do, especially big endurance events before she was healthy. And she tried to push too hard, too fast, like a lot of us do. And she's been talking about events already while she's laid up here. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. No, none of that. Just... Let's walk first. So I think as a coach, there's a good healthy balance of having reasonable goals to keep you motivated, but goals that aren't going to force you to get outside of what's going to keep you healthy. So she had some ideas on this sub triathlon, which is an amazing event out here in Colorado. It's in July. You stand a paddleboard instead of swim, then you mount bike instead of road bike, and then you trail run slash hike instead of road run. She wants to do that. I'm going to say she can sign up last minute if her doctors approve it. She's making a weird face right now. <laughs> but what she is able to train for is a stand-up paddleboard race in Moab in May on Mother's Day weekend, which is really cool. She did it last year. 
the risk for injury on a stand-up paddleboard is way less. She's really gotten into this sport in this world. She did, they do socials out here on a regular basis with 40 or 50 people. And uh, something that she really loves. So that, don't you think, is a more reasonable starting goal? I like both goals. Don't you, don't you think that's <laughs> yeah. So this sub-triathlon is amazing. If you haven't heard of it, uh, it's a Frisco sub-triathlon. So if you're not, you're not a swimmer, which I love swimming, but I love paddling more. You're like paddling across this mountain lake. And and last year I did it with my hamstring torn. I had all this stuff going on and I, I just hiked the run, which I think it's okay to like take a step back and be like, hey, you know, I can't run, but I can hike. So we'll see. We'll see where I'm at by then. It's I still have it. I still have it Well, good. Mind. I'm glad you'll be able to see how, how stubborn you are in 20 years from now. Uh, well, it's it's a ways off. It's July 15th, so we'll see. But, yes, the uh, sup down, down the Colorado River is pretty epic. So that is something I think is doable. It's seven miles down the river. You're going through these gorgeous canyons. I mean, Moab in itself is just such a magical place. Um, so yeah. that's I have that to look forward to. And It's fun. We, we, did, we did it with three families last year. All the ladies are doing the race, I think, or at least they did last year. And then when they were done, uh, a couple of you know, the three guys, we all got on board. And uh, it took the ladies like two hours to go seven miles or something like that. And it took us two, two hours to go two miles because we had some beers and some cliff jumping to take care of on the way down. And uh, somebody's stomach had some issues. And they were... They put the search party on, so we know they love they love this at that point. Um, but yes, that's an awesome event. And Lauren's stuff that she does, you can check it out. It's Life's Too Short Fitness, L I F E S two the number shortfitness.com. Um, she does tons of stuff and training and adventures. She, they they did a awesome destination event down in Moab last year, and uh, she's going to continue to kind of double down on that stuff. But the stand-up paddleboarding has been a big part of it. So she's partnered with some awesome companies. And um, we'll talk about all the stuff she does. She has some great stories, man. She had, uh, I mean, interesting stories, but crazy stories. Like one of the one of her really good friends out here um, who was taking one of her mountain bike courses had a, a fluke accident on, on a trail out here and had a crazy injury. And just the pre and post on that was wild. And uh, she gets a lot of cool stories of people who are just getting into this world, I think. Educating people who come to Colorado and all over the world who want to get into this stuff is so rewarding, and she does it with a lot of energy. And uh, even though she was hurt for so many of her own events, she she puts people on a pedestal and makes sure they're taken care of. But Stan Paddleboarding has been a big part of it. She partnered with a couple um, interesting brands out there, and uh, she is selling these boards. So if you want to check it out, uh, lifestoshortfitness.com slash SUP. We're basically telling all of our friends because the hookup is legit. Um, but I guess since you're listening, you guys are kind of friends too. So go check it out. They ship all over the place. We partner with uh, a lot of Colorado companies because they have a lot of the same ideas that we do for, for getting outside and you know conservation and things that we really believe in. So pretty sweet. Any, any comments on why people should get started in stand-up paddleboarding? We'll talk more about this later because I love the sport. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of adventures planned around this. But anything that you got? Um, I mean, yeah, I could talk forever about cross-training and how it applies to my, my injury and recovery, but I think it's important to, to do something different. So I think getting on the water and using those core stabilizers and, you know, even if you're a runner, ultra runner, long-distance type athlete, like you're, it's still time on your feet. So you're still getting that time on your feet, but you're also using different muscle groups that are going to help you be a better overall athlete, well-rounded athlete. Yeah. And it's exciting and it's 
you can bring your kids or your dog on the board, and it can be it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be relaxing. It can be exciting. It can be. All right, Lake or Rivers workout. after your last year. Oh man, I gotta say Rivers. <laughs> it's like it's like you know how I say you know road running's torture, and I'm not saying river lakes are torture. I was just saying like compared. If you compare road running to trail running, it's like there's no comparison. Yeah, like trail running. You just takes, get to see so much more. Takes the cake. Yeah. You get some little rapids. Yeah, it's just exciting. I guess I'm probably a general junkie, so that's probably why. If, yeah. if that scares you, then lakes are just simply, it's beautiful. It's relaxing. You can go as hard as you want to go. You can make it a fitness type paddle. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and for the endurance athletes, like time on feet is always a big thing, and stabilization is always a huge thing. Balance is a huge thing for a lot of trail runners out there. Core engagement. I mean, all these things you get on a board um, as a way to to get a lot of physical attributes that are going to help you out there without the pounding, which is always kind of cool. But I'm going to be talking about these boards a lot. I really believe what she's doing. We're going to do some alpine stuff this summer and get some really cool, uh, really cool shots and imagery and take people on adventures that they don't even know are available, like alpine backpacking. You're standing on a paddleboard to these crazy high altitude lakes and getting out there on this frigid water and trying not to fall in and just getting the views and stuff. So we're going to be doing all kinds of cool stuff around this awesome sport. So um, the deal is AOF, like Athlete on Fire, AOF deal, D-E-A-L, when you check out. And uh, the site is lifestoshortfitness.com slash SUP. I'll put it in the show notes so you guys don't have to think um, over at athleteonfire.com. But thanks, Lauren. You have a podcast now. No. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Say thank you. Oh, bye. Thanks. See, never ends.